Okay. You know, when they say it's a political circus, they're really not kidding. I mean, now we got alligator moats and maybe even crocodiles, ladies and gentlemen. Hello. Welcome to the show. Good to see you all. I am Trish Regan. And it, 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 it's like, it's just going off the rails there in D.C., this whole Mayorkas impeachment hearing. We got it. We're going to get to all of this. You know, Tucker and uh, his guests recently weighed in on this. It's going to crack you up because they're doubling down on this whole idea of alligators and the whole Internet has something to say about it. You've even got the view weighing in, of course. We're going to talk about this, the funny stuff, right? But we're also going to talk about it in a really serious way because it still is a very, very big issue and it's got to get solved somehow, some way. In other words, something has got to give. We're going to talk about that. Plus, I want to play for you this really ominous warning from a legendary lawmaker who said, you know what? Anthony Blinken is going to get us in trouble. And sure enough, here we are with Anthony Blinken getting us in trouble, with Joe Biden's help, of course, but, you know, they've been attached at the hip for many, many years. Nancy Pelosi, oh, my gosh. I'm telling you, if if a conservative ever said what she said to the people protesting outside her house, woo, they'd be toast, so i got to play that for you. And uh, Biden, a year later... Is going to East Palestine, Ohio. Ladies and gentlemen, dun, 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 we got a lot to get to today. Welcome back to the program. I am Trish Regan. We're brought to you in part, as always, by our friends over at LegacyPMInvestments.com. LegacyPMInvestments.com, 1-866-589-0560. Okie dokie. Let's start first on Representative Green, because it, let, me, let me get some of the serious stuff out of the way. He had a really good point that he was making. In other words, what's going on at the border is not sustainable. Somebody needs to be held accountable. Poor Alejandro Mayorkas. It looks like he's the one they're going after. Big time watch. There's no doubt Today is a great day. We have not approached this day or this process lightly. Secretary Mayorkas' actions have forced our hand. We cannot allow this border crisis to continue. We cannot allow fentanyl to flood across our border, our criminals to waltz in undeterred. And we cannot allow a cabinet secretary with no regard for the separation of powers or the rule of law to remain in office. That is why today we present this committee with the articles of impeachment against Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. There we go. So it's happening. It's moving forward. The conservatives are saying, listen, we've got to do something. Like, this is not okay. I mean, you do have a section of the Constitution which requires the federal government to actually prevent invasion, to protect states from invasion. And Green is making the point, along with others, that that's not happening. And so you got to do something. Chuck Schumer, on the other hand, is like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's, 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 this is all for show. This is all for show. Let's listen to Chucky Boy because I got to play you some real show. On the Mayorkas impeachment effort in the House. Last night, while most Americans were fast asleep, a House committee voted to advance the absurd effort to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The Republican House majority is moving forward with the sham impeachment effort, despite producing no evidence that Secretary Mayorkas has committed any crime. House Republicans have not shown that he has violated the Constitution. House Republicans have failed to present any evidence of anything resembling an impeachable offense. Instead, (laughs) what House Republicans are doing by advancing the sham impeachment effort is denigrating our Constitution, 
all for the sake of appeasing one person and one person only, Donald Trump. Okay, so he says this is all for show. Well, what was this? What was this? I mean, there's this Representative Garcia, Robert Garcia out of California, and you want to talk show, ladies and gentlemen. This guy's got it going on. I mean, there's this picture of him with this massive alligator behind him. Look, I'm wearing my alligator green here. Do you see that? Like, gigantic caution tape alligator. And he said Donald Trump is planting some alligator moats at the border. This is how bad it is, ladies and gentlemen. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Here is the California representative warning of all kinds of stuff. I, I, I will not yield. I want to remind the public that Donald Trump and House Republicans also have their own ideas for the border. So let's review the majority's border ideas that they've actually presented. Here they are. Donald Trump actually has said that he wants to build alligator moats along the border. That's one of his incredible ideas. Another idea that Donald Trump has promoted is he actually wants to electrify the border fence and maybe even put some spikes on the border. That's another Donald Trump and MAGA majority border idea. Another idea, which I'm not sure how how well it would go, is he wants to actually bomb northern Mexico with missiles. That's another Trump idea. And finally, I think one of the ones that I think um, is the most grotesque is suggestions that instead we should maybe just shoot migrants in the legs as they cross the border. So once again, the Donald Trump and MAGA... It becomes the little boy that cried wolf. Right, like at some point they keep saying all this. I've played you the tape a zillion times. We've got a great compilation of this where the, the left is going on and on about all these things he's gonna do. Look, at some point, people get exhausted by it. All that said, you know, some people kind of like the idea of these alligator modes. I, I I'm kidding, but watch this little clip here with Tucker Carlson and the former PGA golfer. John Daly and, and Kid Rock. It's like wild. They're all hanging out. Kid Rock's playing his guitar. John Daly's talking about not just alligators, ladies and gentlemen, but crocodiles too. I'll take care of the border. Don't need no border patrol. No. I know South Africa the meanest crocodiles, about 100,000 of them, all the most poisonous snakes, the rhinos. Put them in that river. See who crosses that border. I agree with that. <laughs> there you go. Done. Apparently Trump watched that. Actually, in fairness, Donald Trump, I think, had the idea first. Let's go to a New York Times headline here from 2018, 2019. The New York Times was talking about how Donald Trump was looking at alligator moats. These were some of his ideas that he had floated to his staff. His staff, this is again an article from 2019. Let me read to you. Privately, the president, this is the New York Times, had often talked about fortifying a border with a water-filled trench. That would be the moat. (laughs) Stocked with snakes or alligators, promoting aides to seek a cost estimate. He wanted the wall electrified with spikes on top that could pierce human flesh after publicly suggesting that soldiers shoot migrants if they threw rocks. Uh, This is, you know, the the president backed off that when his staff told him that was illegal. I'm sorry, but like, I I don't know as I entirely buy that from the New York Times. I I really don't entirely buy that. I 
could see maybe him kidding around about the moats idea. I don't know how much John Daly was really kidding around or Tucker. He's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I think the idea here is you want to do whatever you can to make it seem intimidating. So social media like heard this and they just erupted like all kinds of people weighing in. I just want to share with you some of the funny clips and tweets that went out. Check this out. This guy is saying, and I love the picture. He said, I mean, the alligator moat would be legit. <laughs> it, it, it would be, right? Seriously legit, complete with cartoon and everything. And then another social media user tweeted here. This is funny. If my president isn't using my taxpayer dollars to build me an electrified alligator moat with spikes and missile launchers, I don't want them. <laughs> So you can see they're having a little bit of fun. And then uh, we, we get a couple more. Yeah, this, this one's great. I love the cartoon that they put there. And then did Benny do anything? So Benny Johnson, he's been on the show. Great show, by the way. You should go check out his channel. He's having a field day with this, of course, because this is sort of right up his alley. He writes, I'd take an alligator moat under Donald Trump over an open border invasion under Joe Biden eight days out of the week. <laughs> All right, Benny. I mean, look, they're, they're having fun. But it's actually a really serious topic and something has got to get done. Okay. It's just got to get done. No one's willing to confront this reality. No one in this administration, in part because I don't know, there's a story in Breitbart today talking about the Soros Foundation and how they've contributed to a group that has raised around a couple million bucks, not a ton of money, with the promise of turning Texas blue. I got to tell you, I think it's pipe dreams. Maybe if you can bring all these people here, if you get them to vote immediately, but typically after people have been here a bit, they're invested in the nation. They're invested in their future. They're invested in our economy. And if they've gone through the legitimate process to become a U.S. citizen, in other words, they came here legally, they were able to get their citizenship, they don't really want all these people flooding into the country, depressing wages, not being part of the established system, and getting the benefits of being here in America. Right? You get that, right? Which is why the Democrats keep getting this one wrong. They think that they can just flip states, that suddenly all the Hispanics are going to vote for, for Joe Biden. And in fact, what you're actually seeing in places like Texas and in Mexico is Hispanics are not voting for Joe Biden. They're overwhelmingly coming out in favor of Trump. I mean, they're panicking, the, panicking in the White House right now because of this. You've got Hispanics that are leaning more and more to the right. You've got black Americans that are like, what is this guy doing for me? Thank you very much. Not much. And so now when you look at the poll data, you see that Joe Biden is down 20 points with black Americans. And so this is when the panic button goes off, right? In the White House, they're like, oh my gosh. They should be saying, oh my gosh, for goodness sakes, I want you to see this, okay? This is a liberal governor, a Democrat there in Massachusetts, Mara Healy. You know what? She actually grew up in my hometown. She went to our local high school. My sister went to high school with her. And my sister was even invited to the inauguration and the whole thing when she became governor of Massachusetts. Well, she broke down. I mean, this is a lib this is a Democrat, okay? This is, by the way, it's not a partisan issue. Thank you very much. That's again where they get this wrong. It's not partisan. 
This is an American issue. So the Democrat governor of Massachusetts, she's devastated because she has to close down a recreation center in Roxbury, Mass, right outside Boston. And she's like, this isn't right because they have to house these migrants. And she's spot on. So she's like nearly crying here. I want you to see the clip. And, and, and you got to like understand his party is turning against him, whether it's the Denver mayor, whether it's the New York City mayor, or whether it's the Democrat governor of Massachusetts from my little hometown in Hampton, New Hampshire. Maura Healy, I feel her pain. Watch. Emotional, guys, okay? Because I'm committed to this. Little kids need to be able to breathe clean air. They need to be able to access swimming pools. They need to have lifeguards there who are going to teach them how to swim. And they need to have activities. I don't know what we're going to do for a couple, three months. I'll call universities. I'll call other places. The governor went on to say she is also looking at other locations, but has not said exactly where. You know, and poor Roxbury. Roxbury is, you know, a, a poor neighborhood outside Boston. Roxbury gets hit with this. So their kids don't get to go and take swimming lessons. And by the way, Roxbury is not a fancy place, okay? So when I say swimming lessons, don't think that this is like a country club. It's Roxbury, Mass. And kids that are American are not going to get to do these after-school activities, things that she feels very strongly should be part of their lives. Again, this is not Democrat, Republican. This is just living, all right? So you cannot just open the floodgates, bring everybody here. This is what he said he would do. Remember, here she is talking about she's going to ask the universities. She's going to look for some charitable efforts. That's what Biden promised when he was out on the campaign trail. I've been playing you that sound all week, right? Because one of the the Houston reporters was like, hey, how's this going to work? And Joe Biden, in all his wisdom, said, well, I'm going to rely heavily on charity and I'm going to need money. Okay, well, you got nothing, buddy. You got absolutely, positively nothing. And you got a party that's really angry with you. Massachusetts is angry. Colorado's angry. New York is angry. Question is, are they angry enough to do something about it? And do they understand really what's at stake? Because this is like a political football for a lot of people in Washington, D.C. KJP, that rock star of a press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, she just keeps going back to, oh, it's their fault. It's their, you know, Biden has always been really, really pro-border. Yeah, right. Watch her here. For years... They have refused to heed the president's request for action on much-needed funding for border security. There you go. By the way, I just want to point out, it is a live show. I see all of you here. Hey, Moon at Noon, great to see you. Thank you for being here. Don, thank you for being here. Leslie, welcome back. We have so many of you. I just want to point out, do you know, guys, do you know that we got... Nearly 200,000 people tuning into Monday's live show. Wow. That just blew me away. We got like, I don't know. Don, I'm crediting you with this because I see you telling everybody, hey, 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 make sure you like, 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 like. Thank you. Yes, like, share, subscribe, do all that stuff. We got like 
1,700 new subscribers to the Trish Regan channel just off of that show. And already I'm looking at the numbers. We get something like 40,000 on yesterday's show. So, hey, I, I know we, we may seem lean and mean and small <laughs> at this point, but I'm telling you, together we're very mighty. So do your part, whatever you can, to share, to like, to comment. It all matters. And I do read everything. So we're going to, we're going to talk through some of your comments as, as we get through more of the story. But again, I just think what it comes down to is that you have a contingency of people that want to double down on politics at a time when we just need reality. We need things fixed. And so make alligator moats great again is now trending. Yeah. Make alligator moats great again. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you, you know what? Conservatives, they're out there joking about this stuff. I, I, don't, I don't even know if you entirely can joke about it because if you are a conservative, right? Like they, they don't like this. And so you have to be careful how you project. The Babylon Bee has learned that, right? The Bee with all their funny headlines. It's said that one of the reasons that Elon Musk actually bought the, the, the Twitter now, X was because of the Babylon B getting constantly in trouble over its very funny headlines. I mean, it's like the, the rights equivalent of the onion. Anyway, the ladies of The View, they don't have a sense of humor when it comes to anything that people on the right say. No sense of humor at all. I mean, they can make all the ridiculous jokes that they want, right? Whether it be Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, they've been really just falling all over themselves, frankly, making fools of themselves. Do we have this one, Drew? I'm going to ask. I'm not sure we, if, you, if we did pull this, but you remember the one where Whoopi Goldberg is saying that he's, he's going to lock everybody up? If we have that, I'd, I'd love to see it. I'm going to be on day one. I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists. I'm going to take all the gay folks. I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. <laughs> if that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. Well, if, that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. <laughs> that's, uh, that's something else to say. Now, is that a joke? No, it's not even a joke. I mean, that's what's alarming about all this, okay? Like, Tucker and John Daly. I mean, I think they were joking <laughs> about the whole moat thing, but she's not joking. She's actually trying to intimidate you and cause you to be really, really fearful about what he might do. He's going to lock you up. He's going to lock journalists up, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's funny is they do think that this is their job. This is their livelihood. I don't know what they're going to do if they don't have Donald Trump, frankly, in the mix over at The View. Joy Behar basically admitted as much. What is Joy going to do if she doesn't have Trump? She makes the point that, you know what, she's a comedian, and so she needs that. Like, that's her oxygen, right? Donald Trump. And she's kind of saying some bad stuff here. I, I want you to hear it. The job of the comedian is to speak truth to power, which is, you know, you know, that's what Jay was doing. That's what Letterman did. And that's what we did, you and I, yeah. when we were doing stand up. Um, having said that, I mean, Trump is a perfect target for humor because he's so stupid. <laughs> and 
he, I mean, the guy looks at the eclipse and they tell him, don't do that. And he does exactly that. It could have blinded him. He believes Frederick Douglass is alive. He has no information at all. He's, he's really an incredible target for humor. At this, at, having said that, he is one of the most dangerous people of my lifetime to ever be in the Oval, Oval Office. He is probably the, the most dangerous. So you have somebody like, and he doesn't have a good sense of humor. No, we all know that at the correspondence dinner, when President Obama made a joke about him, that was the his, beginning. His, of the skin, yeah. his skin is thinner than his hair. Yeah. And, and, and he got so pissed off that he had to run for president and go after poor Obama, who was born in this country. He is a... Uh, what a lady, huh? What a lady. So, a couple things there. Joy, I, I actually don't think he's as stupid as you think. Either that or maybe you just think half of America is really stupid because half of America voted for him. And when you look at the new poll numbers out, and there are new poll numbers, they suggest that more than half of America is going to vote for him again. And that actually could be the tipping point. So I get it. This is where you come in, right? You've got to come in and say, hey, everybody, he's going to ruin your life. We're going to be in the worst place ever if he is actually elected. But I think Americans are smarter than that. You say he's dumb, and therefore you can make jokes at his expense. Does she think she's like a journalist now? I heard her refer to herself as a comedian back when Whoopi and I were doing like stand-up, back when we were comedians. What are they, they journalists now? Come on. So she thinks that he's dumb and that she can make fun of him, yet he's dumb and he's also incredibly dangerous. I mean, you can't really have it both ways, Joy. Just saying. And when you think about where the country is right now, this is what you call real peril, real danger. And I don't say this lightly. You have only to look at the headlines. Do we have the one from the the Daily, Daily Mail today? Daily Mail reporting that the U.S. is preparing weeks of strikes and cyber attacks against Iran linked targets after deaths of three American soldiers as Tehran threatens to decisively respond. Okay, that, that's real danger. We, we can joke about a lot of things, but when you're talking about the threat of real attacks, it's a whole other ballgame. And there's been a series of breakdowns in diplomacy, frankly, that have gotten us here. There's been a lot of cockiness, Do not forget, head of the NSC, that would be Jake Sullivan, boasting that the Middle East had never seen such peace as under Joe Biden. And then sadly, tragically, a few weeks later, October 7th happened. So this, ladies and gentlemen, this is the real stuff. This is the scary stuff. And don't take just my word for it. I mean, let's go over to CNN. You got the former CENTCOM head who was there under Biden doing an appearance with Wolf Blitzer and saying, you know, part of the problem is we, we, we talk a good game. Biden is kind of criticizing his former boss here, talks a good game, but there's no there there. By the way, I'm not saying there should be. Like, I am not one to advocate for military conflict. I want to be very, very clear and careful on that. However, you've got to position yourself so that you're not where we are right now, right? You can't be Neville Chamberlain, which is exactly who Joe Biden is, if you want to make some historical comparisons. 
Let's take a listen, a listen there uh, to, to CNN. You were head of the uh, Middle East operations, the U.S. military's central command, as, as it's called, under both Presidents Biden and Trump. How would you advise this administration to respond now to this attack without sparking a much broader war? Well, I think we began by uh, realizing, Wolf, that if we want to prevent escalation, we need to leave the theater. If our primary goal is to, is to not have something escalate, we need to get out. That's obviously not our primary goal. So we need to get comfortable with the fact that there can be escalation associated with this. The next thing I would say is I, Secretary Blinken's words are very strong, very forceful, very on point. We need to match them with, with action. And we have not done so uh, over the course of the 150 attacks or so that have preceded this lethal attack and the loss of these three brave Americans. CNN is learning now that uh, this enemy drone actually followed an American drone onto this base in Jordan, causing lots of confusion and a delay in responding. How did that lapse happen? How does the U.S. prevent the next attack? So we have a very good lessons learned process. I'm sure we're, they're busily investigating how that happened out there. But, you know, Wolf, the fact of the matter is this. The battlefield is a difficult, dangerous place. People make mistakes. Uh, anomalies occur. We will learn from it. We'll get better. And uh, I, I would suspect we'll take immediate action to make sure it doesn't recur in this manner again. Yeah. Can you imagine one of the parents listening to that? Sorry, we're going to make, make mistakes, but we'll get better. We'll learn from this. We're the United States of America, for goodness sakes, guys. Like, you know, this is not like on-the-job training. What the heck has happened? Again, I go back to this breakdown in diplomacy. I'm thinking Afghanistan, where I nearly was crying here a few times right on set with you. And go back and watch those shows. Oh, my goodness. Every day. I mean, I, I just, I was so deeply affected and angered by our utter carelessness with Afghanistan. And then you couple in what's going on in Ukraine and Russia. Again, these breakdowns in diplomacy that are costing us a fortune. And then we give Iran money, $6 billion, and days later, what happens? October 7th, Hamas's attack on Israel, greenlit by none other than Iran. Iran, who feels like they're odd man out because the rest of the Middle East was all coming together in a civilized way thanks to the Abraham Accords, and they just couldn't let that happen. So now here we get this massive setback, and I'm looking at it going, how, how, how did this happen? Does it have anything to do with this guy? I'm talking about our Secretary of State. Trust me, Biden's responsible too, but this is his right-hand man, okay? This is the guy who's supposed to be the policy wonk. Like, he's not good in front of crowds, not that Biden is, but he's not who you put up to, you know, put in front of a room. This is the guy that's supposed to actually really be steeped in policy enough so that we don't get in the situation we're in I want you to hear him talking. He says, we haven't seen anything like this, gosh, since 1973. I would argue that we have not seen a situation as, as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. Is this to convince us that we've we got to go out there and, and do all kinds of stuff? I mean, did they have to put us in this position to begin with? I'm going to play you a clip here. I'm going to play a really important clip that you need to see. 
because this is from a legendary lawmaker. Love him, hate him, regardless of what you think. I find this pretty ominous. These words are coming back to haunt us in a pretty significant way. I want you to watch here. John McCain, warning, warning that Anthony Blinken didn't know what the H-E-double-L he was doing, that Americans were going to die as a result. And I want you to put two and two together because McCain would not vote for Blinken to be Deputy Secretary of State under Obama. And now guess what, guys? This is our Secretary of State under Joe Biden. He's been Joe Biden's foreign policy advisor forever. And for forever, they have made the wrong choices on foreign policy. Think about that. And I'm telling you, elections have consequences. You can't sit there and say, I want the nice guy who hides out in his basement and think that our economy is going to be okay, that our foreign relations are going to be okay, or that our border is going to be okay. You got Joe Biden and his whole ragtag team there. Listen to John McCain's warning. Madam President, I rise to discuss in a, my opposition to the pending uh, vote concerning Mr. Anthony Tony Blinken, who is not only unqualified, but in fact, in my view, uh, one of the worst uh, selections that of a very bad lot that this president has chosen. I hope that many of my colleagues will understand that not often do I come to the floor to oppose a nomination of the President of the United States because I believe that elections have consequences. In this case, this individual has actually been dangerous to America and to the young men and women who are fighting and serving it. Let's just review a couple of some of the elements in particular and Mr. Blinken's role in conceptualizing and furthering it. U.S. foreign policy is in a shambles. It's at best a strategic and at worst anti-strategic. I'll move on to Afghanistan. Mr. Uh, <coughs> Blinken said, quote, we've been very clear, we've been consistent. The war will be concluded by the end of 2014. We have a timetable and that timetable will not change. This is why I'm so worried about him being in the position that he's in. Because if they stick to that timetable, I am telling my colleagues that we will see the replay of Iraq all over again. We must leave a stabilizing force behind of a few thousand troops, or we will see again what we saw in Iraq. So let's... I mean, wow. Was that not person or what? I mean, he, years before anything is happening, and, you know, John McCain, of course, deceased, speaking there on the floor of Capitol Hill. Keep whatever you think about McCain aside for a moment and just digest what you heard, okay? Because John McCain, this is like years ago. This is back when Obama was there. He was saying exactly what has come to fruition. He said, this guy's so dedicated to some timetable of getting out of Afghanistan that, you know what, he's going to have a horrendous situation in the Middle East on his hands all over again. And hello, hello, what are we dealing with today? None other than that. None other than that. I mean, it's just remarkable how you want to talk dumb, Joy Behar earlier going on about how stupid she thought Trump was. Let's talk about how stupid this team is. 
really and truly. I mean, I, I just, I, 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 I'm so disgusted by all of it. I'm really disgusted by all of it. But let me point out this. You know, they're realizing, they're realizing that the political momentum is not with them. And because America has woken up to this reality that Biden and the rest of his team are no good. I mean, we're talking the energy secretary. I showed you her. I mean, she's just a disaster, right? She can't figure out how energy markets work. Literally has no clue. Jennifer Granholm, former governor of Michigan. I mean, what the heck is she doing as our energy secretary? She's an embarrassment. And then you got Blinken, who's sending us straight back into a major conflict. I mean, none of these people know what they are doing. They are bureaucrats, political bureaucrats. And so as they realize, you know what, their days may soon be numbered. They got the media on their side. They're doubling down on fear. And then, you know, whenever you're in doubt, you know, maybe you can just convince those dumb Americans that you are going to the Middle East. Heck, you're going to East Palestine, Ohio. Oh my gosh, this this is unbelievable. So it, he was wavering about whether or not he should go overseas because of the three dead Americans. He said, I don't know, Becca. He just came out and confirmed that he is indeed going to go. But th- he also confirmed something else. He's going to go to East Palestine, Ohio. Woohoo! A year after the fact. A year after the fact, after that devastation, and by the way, the environmental impact, you, you, these, these are the people that are all about the environment, right? They, they, they supposedly care about that stuff, and yet when a community like East Palestine goes through what it went through, they are nowhere to be found. That's not their story. They sent poor Pete Buttigieg. I haven't seen him lately. We have like all these plane issues going on, Boeing, etc. I can't find Pete. But he did do a little lap through East Palestine, Ohio, last year because the president, for whatever reason, did not want to go. Well, Peter Ducey over at Fox, he, he did a little reporting on this, he and his producer. You're not going to believe what the mayor of East Palestine has to say about all this. I want Peter to tell you, and I want you to see this exchange. It's really just unbelievable between him and KJP. You know, you can feel the animosity there. I don't think she likes him very much because he was pushing. Like, when on earth is the president going to go to East Palestine, Ohio? I guess when he wants the news story to shift, to change, maybe somebody will think he's actually in the Middle East. Maybe even if he's really lucky, people will get East Palestine confused with Gaza. <laughs> And then they'll think he actually went to the Gaza Strip and was trying to, I mean, unbelievable, right? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. But let Peter tell you what he's hearing. Uh, the mayor of East Palestine told one of our White House producers, Pat Ward, earlier this month that his preference at this point, after a year, would be for President Biden. And this is a quote. Uh, he said the best time for him to come would be February of 2025 when he is on his book tour And the mayor there, Trent Conaway, also said, we have heard nothing from the administration about a visit. He also said, I don't know what he would do here now. A couple months ago, uh, while we were waiting for this announcement, we asked Kareem Jean-Pierre about the holdup. Just one more. The president said over the long weekend that he hasn't had the occasion to go to East Palestine. I just haven't been able to break 
The derailment was on February 3rd. The president will go to East Palestine. He promised that he would, and he will. Uh, you saw him. On, so he was not on a break when he was in Lake Tahoe? I will say this again. The president is going to go to East Palestine, as he has said that he is committed to do. You saw him. Time since then, many trips to Delaware. There was a Christmas week in St. Croix. There was time at Camp David. But the flight to Cleveland, Ohio, which is less than an hour on Air Force One, was too much uh, to take a break for the president until now. Again, we have no idea why this announcement is happening now, uh, except for the fact that Ohio is a battleground state in the election year that we are now in. Well, there you go. Right, political animal that he is. Do you think he cares about the people of East Palestine, Ohio? You think he even understands the optics of not having gone to East Palestine, Ohio? I mean, I'll tell you one thing. That is something that Trump got. He totally got optics. When people needed him, boom, he'd be like right there. He'd be, remember, like handing out the water, handing out anything he could to help people who had suffered a natural disaster. He was there every chance he could get on the ground. Biden doesn't think he needs to go. No, he gets to hang out on the beach in Delaware or in St. Croix. I mean, wow, like out of touch, seriously, massively out of touch and not good at his job. Like, okay, you're a politician. People just went through something really bad. Like, where's your sort of empathy for that? Your humanity. Why wouldn't you be on the first plane? And heading out to East Palestine, Ohio. It's just crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. So now he's doing it. And you do have to ask exactly what Peter was asking there. Like, why now? What is it about this magical moment in time? Could it be? And, and Drew, I'm going to ask Drew in the control room if he has some of these polls that we were looking at this morning. Because what you see here in these polls is that Biden is increasingly challenged, increasingly suffering. Take a look at this. This is just amazing, everybody. If the November 2024 election for U.S. president were being held today and Democrat Joe Biden and Republican Donald Trump were on the ballot, for whom would you vote? And you see, look at that red line in that first graphic, all states, plus six, up six points, ladies and gentlemen, to Donald Trump. And then you go through some of these battleground places. Remember, we've been talking about Wisconsin. Look down there on the lower, I guess that would be your, your right side. <laughs> I'm looking at the, the screen in, in, in a backwards uh, way from what you're seeing. But Wisconsin down there. Hey, I guess it, yeah, it would be there. Um, <laughs> Wisconsin, up five. In other words, he was down a couple points in Wisconsin per the New York Times reports and poll that we got in November. And now this new one has him up five in Wisconsin, up three in Pennsylvania, up eight in Nevada, up eight in Georgia, up five in Michigan, up 10 in North Carolina, up three in Arizona. Oh my goodness. He might just win the thing. You see how scared they are. You see how freaked out they are enough that he's finally, finally, after a year, going to go to East Palestine, Ohio. It's pretty pathetic. But, you know, I guess whatever makes you tick, whatever motivates you to do the right thing, a year later, 
I don't think the people are going to receive him very well. You heard, of course, Peter say what the mayor said. He ought to come by in 2025 on his book tour. You get it? 2025 when we have a new person in charge? I got to show you this this other clip that, that came to us today. So Nancy Pelosi, she's trying to walk a line, right? Like, she's kind of stuck because she's sort of part of the party of the Clintonian Democrats, and yet simultaneously she's trying to rally the troops, and so she's got to, and she had to when she was Speaker of the House, keep her party contained and happy and satiated. And you have people like AOC who are clearly never satiated and Bernie Sanders, et cetera. So she's trying to balance the challenge of all the sort of bloodthirsty vultures on the left, the extremists, if you would, with those middle of the road people, which maybe she considers herself to be. And it's a tough spot to be in right now. Because the extremists on the left, they have no use for Israel. And that's, a, that's kind of a problem, given where we are right now. And if you're the rest of the world, why wouldn't you exploit this? So I kind of hear and get what she's saying, but I wanted to show you because can you imagine if this were anyone else, if this were anybody on the right, you, you, it would be everywhere. But this one, you, you probably haven't even seen it. Like this is nowhere. People aren't reporting on this. Nancy Pelosi, she was heckled by these protesters. They were outside her home. And so she, she went outside and she kind of told them off. Let's watch the clip. Most of your constituents block Stop the genocide. Stop the Holocaust. Democrats want the ceasefire. The Democrats want the ceasefire. The Democrats want the ceasefire. China, where your headquarters are. Go to China, where your headquarters are. In other words, she's like, I know who's funding you all. Remember she said the other day she wanted the FBI to look at that? Well, it's, it's a little tricky. It's a little dicey, right? Because our FBI is kind of breathing down our throats all the time. That's Big Brother on steroids. And so a lot of conservatives are like, well, okay, you got to be careful with Nancy Pelosi and giving her a little too much FBI power. And so is she going to try and use the FBI to go after the protesters outside her house? This is her theme, right? She's saying that it's China that's doing this. And by the way, I don't entirely think she could be off, right? I mean, if, if I were China and I were trying to breed this discont- discontent, if, what would I do? Oh, I'd, I'd start TikTok and I'd encourage this insanity of division nonstop. And so that's likely what they have done. And maybe they are funding these people. I don't know. But again, I I point to the inconsistency in the coverage that you see from our media elites, because if this were anyone else, Marjorie Taylor Greene or anybody on the Republican side of things, they'd be all over them saying that that was somehow racist, racist against Asia, racist against Asians, and that you can't just say, hey, go back to China where your headquarters are. So an interesting dynamic, if you would for where we are right now and how divided we are, including the Democrat Party, for sure. I mean, it's not just Republicans, right? I mean, you can see there is some division, not as much as perhaps some of the big money would like, 
because I do think when it's all said and done, I don't know how you have anyone at the top of the ticket other than Donald Trump. I know Nikki Haley. She's like swimming upstream. She's trying, she's trying, she's trying. But, you know, look, I, I just don't think it's, it's going to happen for her. It's not going to happen for her. And um, at some point, everybody's going to have to get their heads around this idea that it is going to be, it is going to be Donald Trump at the top of the tickets. And then the question becomes, who's VP? You guys uh, weigh in on that anymore? I mean, we've been having a great time, right? Going back and forth about who's going to be vice president. We had some interesting news out of Ben Carson the other day. Whether or not it's going to be him, we shall see. Uh, the president has spoken, former president, very highly of Tim Scott from South Carolina. And that would be an important state for him. He would have a, a black American, which... You know, I don't think he cares about checking boxes. I really don't. But I think it's interesting um, that a lot of people are saying he needs to go with a woman. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. I will tell you this. Every single time they go after him, he does better in the polls. Right? We saw this with uh, even, even just what, what happened with the $83 million lawsuit, or rather verdict, against him in that defamation trial. It's like every single time this happens, he does better and better and better. You know, if you think about it, is the method to the madness that he's like, this is free publicity. How much would I have to pay to get this much publicity? And hey, I can appeal this thing with another lawyer and hopefully just get this verdict reduced. And if it comes out, I have to pay her a couple mil. Hey, think of the wild ride that we've had and the publicity that we've gained. I mean, I'm not saying he's that calculated about it, but you know me, glass half full. If you're thinking about, is there any upside to any of this? All of the, the legal headaches, I mean, I can't imagine it. I just can't imagine. It's like hard as a reporter to keep track of them all, one after another, but they're coming for them. They're coming for them hard, but I don't think they're going to get them. I mean, if they haven't gotten them by now, how are they ever going to do it? Well, one of the ladies that's trying to get him, she actually got the mugshot. That would be Fanny Willis. Remember the, this this infamous mugshot, which, what are those numbers? We were looking at this today. It's insane. Like, he has gotten so many like, likes on Twitter for this, like, raised so much money as a result of this. I mean, pretty hysterical, right? And it's not a bad, it's not a bad shot. They, they kind of had good lighting. For a mugshot, right? Just saying. Hey, so this has been a win for Donald Trump. I mean, really and truly a win. You wouldn't think that, but yeah, it's a win. So Fannie Willis, she's the one responsible for it. She's the Fulton County DA, and she's in a whole new lot of trouble. Yeah, because, well, it's it's kind of sorted, but, and I haven't really liked having to do this. I don't think I've told you much about this story. I've been following it sort of in the background on the periphery. She's got uh, some, some sort of challenges, shall we say, in her personal life, apparently had an affair with the prosecutor that was going after Trump, might have actually used public funds somehow to finance whatever dates or lifestyle they were having. This is all coming out as a result of his divorce. These are all allegations, by the way. I actually don't know as they're all, uh, I, I don't, I, I, I want to be careful. Like they, they are allegations, but they're, they're certainly unseemly. And apparently now he's being deposed in this divorce suit, et cetera, et cetera. Tawdry stuff. And yet there's another layer in all this. But first, just to, to remind you of who she is, the lady that got the mugshot, 
she's also the lady that apparently had all the paperwork done before the indictment had even been handed out, right? And handed down by the judge. You remember her. And then she tried to make excuses, blame the clerk. When in doubt, you just blame the clerk. She doesn't know how those clerk things, secretarial things go. Watch Fanny right here. I am not an expert on clerks duties um, or even administrative duties. I wouldn't know how to work that system. And so I'm not going to speculate. Next question. Yeah, so that's her. So the reason I'm talking about her today is something else has happened. She was caught on hot mic with one of her subordinates that she eventually fired. And the subordinate is now trying to make the case that there's a connection between her sort of lack of care for resources, whether it be whatever she may or may not have done with the Trump prosecutor. I mean, like, what is it? Like love in the air. Remember the, uh, the deep state people, Lisa and Peter, Peter stroke, Lisa page, the two of them like took up, like, I I guess, you know, you go after Trump and, and you fall in love. Well, there's, there's this story that just came to us from the Washington beacon. I'm going to play you this sound But before I do, a little more on Fanny, a little more on Fanny, because just a couple of weeks ago, shortly after these allegations about her and her gentleman friend that like sort of works for her or worked for her. Well, when those came to light, she was, I believe, in church and she had some kind of explanation for it all. Let's go to this tape. We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let other folks do You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers. We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will. Stumbling all the way. So a lot of commentators have picked up on that. Her saying that you can't expect black women to be perfect. The timing of it, given that it was happening just as she was in the headlines, and they've suggested that now she's saying, oh, hey, you're coming after me. You're coming after me because of my race. And thus, going back to the well, the well that we thought, you know, by this time should be drained. But hey, I guess if if you're going to try and work it, that's what you're going to work. So Fannie Willis today is now hit with a whole new problem. And that's this audio tape. An an employee tried to tell her how there was a, a pattern of ethical violations and that there was someone there who was trying to misuse funds, federal funds, and get everybody laptops and this, that, and the other. And then shortly after blowing the whistle, she lost her job. And she's saying, you know what, I think there's a connection. So she's got these allegations. It's a, I guess it's a Amanda Timpson, who is an employee there, as we said, in the district attorney's office responsible for giving nonviolent juvenile offenders alternatives to the juvenile court system. And one of the people that came into this was like, Hey, you know, we're going to use this money, buy all this stuff. And she was flabbergasted and tried to tell Fanny and I guess recorded the whole thing. Let's listen. If you had to give me a sentence, what is the sentence thing? 
once I told him about his respectfully and any email about his lack of leadership and the fact that he wanted to do things with grants that were impossible and I kept telling him like we can't do that and questioning stuff he would take me off projects tell people I wasn't doing what I was supposed to because I questioned him because I understood I helped write that grant I knew what was in that grant he told everybody in front of Crystal Deontay everybody we're gonna get MacBooks, we're gonna do that, we're gonna get swag, we're gonna use it for travel. I said, you cannot do that. It's a very, very specific grant. Took me off. I questioned Junior DA. There's kids in there from out of the, the um the county, all this. Took me off Junior DA. I did not want to do it. He made it look as if I wasn't doing what I needed to do because I questioned him. Because so, I knew for a fact Mr. Cuffey respectfully did not know what he was doing. Period. So I respect that is your assessment. Um, it was clear to me that you and Mr. Cuffey were not getting along. And I'm not saying that your assessment is wrong. I want you to really listen to the words I'm saying. Cuffey, and this is my personal opinion to one woman to another, is dangerous to your administration. He tells people, when I reached out to you, he told me, oh, um, you think your word is safe? Um, and exactly when you reached out to Miss uh, Willis, she called me and told me, she tell me everything. So once you reach out to her, she's going to reach up back out to me. So I didn't even go to HR because he put Dexter's something? name on my PDP and I didn't even feel okay, safe. So this is, you've been listening to the voice of Amanda Timpson, who is saying that she blew the whistle on the misuse of federal funds. There's a big story in the Washington Free Beacon. They're the ones that had that audio. I encourage you to go there and, and look at the story there's the, you know, it's a challenging time in this country, it's a challenging time for Fanny. These are, I want to repeat just allegations, but what this person is trying to illustrate is that somehow there was an ethical lapse, right? She didn't have the judgment that she needed to have. If in fact, and I'm just saying, I don't know, there's any there, there on that darn impeachment getting handed down and, and, it was supposed to be sealed, right? The indictment, forgive me, impeachment, indictment. You know, we, we got all these legal terms in my head. Oh, my goodness. If there's any there there and that she was actually just, there was just rubber stamping, like there was no actual formal process and that was my fear at the time, then that would coincide with some of these other allegations, including what we're just hearing there, which actually, as a result, could help Donald Trump in that case because it may be pointed out that she has these ethical lapses, and because of these ethical lapses, there's no there there in terms of what she's doing against him. We'll see. We'll see. It goes on and on. It really does. You know, just a, a fascinating story. We're in a fascinating time. We've got a fascinating country with fascinating people. I want to give a quick plug for our, our good friends over at another podcast. You know, if you have not downloaded my podcast, I hope you have. I hope you have. But if you haven't, go do that. And when you're doing that, wherever you get your podcast, go check these guys out, Our American Stories. My friend Lee Habib, great American, actually went to, to UVA Law School, actually, with Laura Ingram, who was her producer on radio for many years. And Lee is really inspired by wonderful stories about everyday Americans and how they became extraordinary Americans. And it's not even always the ultimate success story. Sometimes it's just a, a more diminutive story about somebody who overcame something. 
but it is so rich. There is such a volume, a, 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 just multitude of different types of people that he profiles from entrepreneurs to politicians, to historical figures. It cuts through everything. It cuts through gender and race and all these divisions, right? That we, we have. So I, I, as we do a political story, I like to give my friend Lee a shout out because he's got a, a terrific, po- very different, very different from this one, right? We're, we're in the news every single day here and we're going to continue to be in the news and on the news all over the news, fair, but opinionated, but this is your chance to kind of take a little break. So if you're, you're getting in a in a car and you get a little road trip, I mean, just play a couple of these stories. I mean, I've just been so inspired by them and I like them because I feel like we're losing touch, right? With our history as Americans, we've kind of lost sight of all of our greatness in terms of where we've been. And you have to understand where you've been to know where the heck you're going, ladies and gentlemen, right? Like if you don't have that history, if you don't have that appreciation for your past, for your family's past, for your country's past, then how can you move forward every day hating yourself, hating your nation? That's what I don't understand about these people right now. I really don't. And this is who, you know, that is out there. I mean, consider what we're looking at. Consider. I want to go back to, can we play a Whoopi Goldberg again? Because Whoopi Goldberg takes the cake. Whoopi Goldberg, Joy Behar, these people that really hate Trump and want to spin a narrative that I, I do feel fundamentally is very dangerous for our country. I'm just saying that. By the way, my opinion, my opinion only, but I think they've blown this up in such a way, their, their hatred of him has taken on such a tremendous force that it puts us in a very uncomfortable position, really, as Americans. Let's watch Whoopi Goldberg. I'm going to be on day one. I'm going to be a dictator. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm going to put you people away. I'm going to take all the journalists. I'm going to take all the gay folks. I'm going to move you all around and disappear you. <laughs> if that's the country you want, you know who to vote for. Well, if, that's not, if that's not the country you want, you have to make a decision. You know what? We would even do a story on her, I betcha. You know what? He's not, he's not even political about it. But she is, she is someone who is using this, right? Like using every single thing she can to try and undermine. I want to turn to the markets right now. Markets closing out the day down almost a percent. They're on the Dow Jones Industrial Average, down 1.6% on the S&P 500. The NASDAQ getting hit pretty hard, down 2.23%. The Fed signaling that rate cuts are coming but they're not imminent. Well, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) I'll tell you, I have no use for this Federal Reserve. I have not had any use for this Federal Reserve. I mean, we're going back a ways here, okay? We are going back a ways. But I I can really pinpoint this and tell you, I was just underwhelmed by Jay Powell and his colleagues during the thick of 2020. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, during March 2020, you get the federal government shutting down everything. Yeah, every state closing, closing down. I get it. You had to do what you had to do at that moment in time, right? So that's when you go in, you flood the market with helicopter money. And so you just say, okay, we're going to print. And you're all going to be fine. We're not going to have a run on the banks. Yeah. Okay, fine. But then you kept printing and printing and printing and printing and printing and printing and printing. 
and still printing. And then Joe Biden comes in, and he gives a third stimulus check to everybody because, woo, I'm president now. Let me hand out some more cash. And then you got Congress saying, well, let's spend some more. And before you know it, we got debt levels unlike anything we have ever seen, ladies and gentlemen. And what does the Fed do? It keeps on printing. Come on. Jay, you should know better. You should know better. I mean, like, hey, I, I just was like, here, beating the drum, saying every single day, you can't do this. You can't do this. It's not going to end well. And I hate to tell you, but you know, I, I'm never going to steer you wrong. I was right. Quite right. Very right. I don't want to be this right. I want them to do the right thing. I want them to understand it. Larry Summers, finally, Larry Summers looking like a genius because he actually took to the podium and said, yeah, you know what? The Federal Reserve is going to be in a little trouble here. We're going to have a little too much inflation because I'm telling you, when the economy's back online, woof, poof, you're going to have big problems. And that's exactly what we have had. And you just have to look at those inflation charts. I mean, Biden's got a gigantic mountain of inflation there. Well, the Federal Reserve came out today and they said that they are signaling that they're, they're, they're basically eventually going to cut rates. But it's not happening as soon as you think. So I don't know what people were thinking. I mean, how crazy can you be to think that you're going to get rate cuts? I mean, that's like delusional, frankly. I was actually talking with the woman who helps me uh, with with investing this morning. And I was just like, we were talking about the bond market, actually. And I'm like, I I still think I get time, right? Like, I'm not in any rush because I do feel that interest rates, actually, in my view, are either steady or they're going higher because I'm worried about inflation. All right. Well, some people, they're holding on to this idea that maybe Jay Powell is so desperate to keep his job that he's going to just give Biden whatever he wants and therefore is going to say, hey, here you go, another rate cut. We're just going to get a little, little, little more stimulus to the economy ahead of the election. Let me tell you, like that is a, that is like a, Terrible thing to do. Like, just a terrible, terrible, terrible thing to do. It's like you're just eating more and more and more sugar, and you have no nutrients, and and your economy stumbles as a result. Anyway, just to get you up to speed on this, uh, the Fed is, uh, as I said, formally shifting its interest rate outlook, providing what one might say is a, a little bit of flexibility for itself to possibly lower rates in the coming months if, in fact, it believes that inflation hazards have fully receded, which they haven't, okay? Like, they just haven't. So I want to share from the policy statement in which the Fed said, quote, the risk to achieving its employment and inflation goals are moving into better balance. Okay, this is what we call Fed speak, right? Translation, there's still risks out there, but we think it's better than it used to be. And then it outlined how its changes to its economic outlook could prompt, quote, adjustments to the target range, Okay, so they want to have their cake and eat it too. That's normal Fed stuff. The committee, they write, does not expect it will be appropriate to reduce the target range until it has gained greater confidence that inflation is moving steadily towards 2%. Yeah, all right. Finally, the headline. Cut to the chase, guys. All right, I, it's not, it's not. Like, inflation is just not coming down enough. I mean, I just don't see it happening. I don't know who thinks they're going to get a rate cut. I'm thinking like rate hike, all right? Like, and they don't want to do that ahead of the election. I get it. But, you know, the markets are trying to figure this all out. And so consequently, they're they're, they're like, okay, well, we're we're not going to get that cut. Oh, darn it. And that's why they traded down today. 
you know, Donald Trump has been weighing in on this. He's he said that he thinks the reason the market's been going up is because people think that he's going to be elected. I actually think it has more to do with, sorry, sorry, Donald. I think it has, I mean, they could factor in on the margin. And by the way, it does actually matter. I, I don't want to discount that because foreign policy, et cetera, uh, tax policy, economic policy, all these things do matter in terms of market outlook. But in terms of the very much the here and now, I think a lot of people were hoping and praying that they were going to get this, they were going to get this rate cut. And you know what? They're not going to get it. So they're like little spoiled children. Eh, it wasn't so much of a temper tantrum, but the, it could, you know, it could come. It could. They call them taper tantrums. Anyway, uh, a plug for our, our good friends, again, from Legacy Precious Metals. You, you know, Charles, actually, often he joins these chats, LegacyPMInvestments.com. If you're worried about inflation, and I think it's a reasonable worry. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a very reasonable worry. You should give him a ring, one 589 Wonderful team there. And they can really just walk you through how to prepare, how to position I mean, you know, you, you got to you got to think about these things, right? You got to think about the value of your dollar as you go forward, because the reality is this: even if everything was going great, you still have a Federal Reserve that is trying to manage to two two point five percent inflation every year. So you're still going to get inflation no matter what. Well, how do you counter that risk? It's a diversification strategy, and for a lot of people, myself included, it includes investing in gold. So give them a ring; they'll walk you through it, and. Uh, Hopefully, hopefully you're prepared for the worst. I just want to go out to some of your comments right now. I want to thank you all for being here. Again, tremendous, tremendous showing yesterday. And we can't always tell in real time. I want to point that out because a lot of the momentum that we get in this show comes from all of the work that you guys do in terms of sharing it and liking it and adding comments, et cetera, et cetera. That's where the algorithms sort of kick in and then we just take off. And so as a result of all of your hard work and everything you've been doing, and hopefully an appreciation for the show. We're, we're, we're just seeing a tremendous amount of growth. So I want to thank you for that. And thank you for all of your loyalty. I see so many familiar faces here in the chat, like Don here again today, who's out there, you know, beating the horn saying, hey, you got to do this. You got to do this. And, and I appreciate it. I love it. I, I love seeing you all here. So many of you have even joined our little club our little club, we're going to go, I think, with Reganites. I know that some of you guys originally like the Tristies, but, you know, it's too Taylor Swifty, right? Like, sorry. I'm like the antithesis of Taylor, so it probably wouldn't be the best fit. So I'm kind of like liking like the Reganites because it feels strong and firm and, you know, tougher and uh, all that good stuff. So uh, some of you joining that, and, and I, I love it because it, it is meaningful. And we are we're going to put some interesting stuff together for you. You are seriously in on the ground floor. Hey, David, Louie, Louie, good to see you. Cleveland, Ohio. Hey, we were just talking about Cleveland and why the heck the president wouldn't get on a flight, at least to Cleveland, and make the puddle jump over to East Palestine a year ago. Better late than never. Wow. Anyway, again, uh, I see that you, some of you are talking about Alina Hobbit. Oh, my goodness. Don't tell me we missed that. Let's take a look. Um, we were just showing you some video the other day of Alina Haba, who is the attorney that was re representing Donald Trump in that $83 million verdict that came against Donald Trump. And there is uh, some reporting right now. I think, you see, this is why I depend on you guys. You actually, I, I, I'm not kidding. 
Like I used to have an entire team of people, like 40 people, right? And they'd be scouting. And, and nowadays it's a little, it's a little slim. <laughs> We've got a few of us, but uh, I don't know how I missed this one. Yes, you're right. Alina seems to have been, according to the Newsweek headline, Alina Haba seems to have been replaced there on the Trump team. Donald Trump apparently suggesting he may choose a new lawyer to represent him when he appeals his damages verdict in the case brought against him by E. Jean Carroll. I'm not surprised at this. Drew, do we have the video of Alina uh, the, uh, the other day? She was outside the courtroom. And wow, she was just absolutely positively on fire. I mean, this woman was just furious about this $83 million verdict. And I thought to myself, wow. I mean, first of all, she's gorgeous, like beautiful, beautiful woman, very powerful speaker. And so she went out there, Alina Haba, and we played this tape for you. It was amazing because she was just so fiery and she was so fired up. And you know, CNN, they were like starting to make fun of her and everything, saying, well, she's not a very good lawyer. Well, whatever. If you think about this in the way that I suggested earlier, you know what you realize, ladies and gentlemen? You realize that you could not buy better publicity. And do not forget, you know, they may say he's dumb. He's not that dumb. Trust me, Donald Trump is not that dumb. Donald Trump knows that you can't pay for this kind of marketing. He knows that everyday Americans are going to say, oh my gosh, they did this to him. And he knows he can appeal. He can appeal this case. And that's exactly what he's going to do. And he's I, going to there have was no a different attorney. Proof. Here she is. Let's watch. And I couldn't prove that she didn't bring in the dress. There was no DNA. There was no expert. My experts were denied. Two of them. Two of them were denied to come in. They didn't bring, let me bring up that Reed Hoffman funded Ms. Kaplan. And you know what we got in there? That my witness, who was her friend, who said that she is a drug addict and the drug addict is herself. That friend I found out in there was paid for by Miss Kaplan's firm and that is disgusting. That is a violation of everything I stand for and that is why I stand with Trump. And that is why so many Americans are so proud that he is running again and so excited to run to the ballot box. But don't get it twisted. We are seeing a violation of our justice system. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not allowed to be stripped of every defense that you have. You are not allowed All right, to be so told. You're yeah, then CNN kind of made fun of her. Anyway, Alina Haba, so apparently not on the team anymore to represent Donald Trump after this $83 million verdict. But I'll tell you, you know, if you were just thinking about it from a political and marketing standpoint, I hate to be so cynical, but wow. She got a big job done for you because she was very likable. She was on television. She stood outside that courtroom and fought for him in a way that, let's just say, you know, the lawyer who might have gotten him off may not have actually been able to do. So you might look at this and say, hey, is he actually coming out ahead? He'll appeal it. He won't have to pay this absurd amount of money, but he certainly won over the hearts and minds of a lot of Americans. Again, if you go back to that poll that we show you, he is up now. Five points across America. Donald Trump, all states. Actually, let me take a closer look. Six points 
ah, six points, okay? You know, the, the writing's kind of small. I mean, this is, this is proof that what he's doing, while they may want to laugh at it on The View, it's working. It's working, and the question is, does he ride this one all the way back to Pennsylvania Avenue? There's a chance he does. There's for sure a chance he does. But like I said, I, I love that you guys send me content and that you give me tips, and I appreciate it. And I love that you share the show, and I love that you are all over the news like I am. I want to thank you, really, from the bottom of my heart for being here, for all your support. We're going to continue the program tomorrow. Share, write in, tell me what's going on. I'll talk to you tomorrow.